0: Welcome to Counterculture Parents, and this is the final episode of our first season. Thanks for those of you who've joined us on this journey. If you're newer to this podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen from the very first episode uh, to gain all of the rich content that we've been able to share. Now, through much of this podcast series, we've been listening to those who have experience in the realm of parenting, but today I thought it would be interesting for us to hear from a couple at the very front of the parenting journey. Brandon and Mary Gray have one young daughter. She's not quite yet two at the point of recording. Her name is Reagan, and they're also expecting their second daughter. And so my wife Olivia and Cindy Hawks partnered, as they have in the past, with other couples to just sit down with them and have a conversation about what's in front of them as parents who hope to raise disciples of Christ rather than products of the culture. Now, as they began their conversation, they discussed uh, Mary's upbringing and Brandon's upbringing and what it was like for them as children growing up in their families. But then they turned to where Brandon and Mary and many other parents like them who have young children find themselves now and what kind of decisions and choices they're anticipating they're going to need to make and have already begun to make, even as their children are very young. So the next voice you'll hear will be Cindy Hawks as she turns to that portion of the conversation.
1: Right now, as you're thinking about it as a couple, what are some countercultural decisions that that you have made together as a couple, and why why have you made those?
2: Reagan is our her only daughter at the moment. She's only two, and so the kind of four countercultural key choices around directing their spiritual formation, steering education, guiding their media habits, and nurturing their sexual wholeness, really. Steering their education and nurturing their sexual homeless hasn't really come into play yet because she's so young. <laughs> I think one of the the bigger countercultural parenting decisions we've made thus far and that's been challenging has been around guiding media habits.
1: Mm. I am a
2: um, productivity-driven person and so I like like... Sometimes Mary will have to work on Saturdays and so I'll be home with Reagan during the day and we'll be if it's a Saturday for me, it's like, okay, cool, I have an opportunity. I don't have work to distract me, and I can get a bunch of stuff done, whether it be home projects. Sometimes it's even just chores, like cleaning up around the house. And so it's very tempting, and I guess not so much anymore, but especially at the very beginning when we were trying to decide how we wanted to treat media in our house and how we wanted to use media in our house. It was very tempting basically use media as a distraction for her so that I could get something else done. So like maybe turn on some sort of media programming so that I could like clean the kitchen or so that I can kind of clean up around the house i remember one time we were we were homesick watching church on tv and she was sitting in my lap and like as soon as we turned it on she was just glued to the tv (laughs) for a solid probably 45 minutes um and i was like man that's one that's very impressive how a baby this young can be glued to something so focused for so long but also a little bit like how engaging even just a a screen is to a a kid when it's not content that or content created for somebody of their age or development stage, um, let alone content that is. And so I think very early on, we decided that like as much as as possible, we haven't used TV programming to distract her so that we can get stuff done. Or even if it's something that, or even just for her benefit, like there's other ways that we can play with toys or play with the dogs or um, go on walks, go to the park, that sort of thing to, kind of engage her and try not to introduce media, whether for good or for personal benefits. Yeah,
1: that's that's really good. I think about the normalizing that you've done, that you've normalized in your family, uh, not screen focus, but... Uh, relationship-focused and other kind of activity and engagement-focused.
3: Would you say that's a discipline? Like, I, I feel like for parents, they don't even know how they would do that. First of all, they, it's so easy to use media, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure at first, you guys, that was a bit of a shock for you. Like, what? oh, my word, we can't put a movie on for her? That means I can't get this done. And it kind of changes the trajectory of what your Saturday looks like or what your free time looks like. She is, even though she's not even two yet, she is
4: able – to understand that. Um, and another big one, you know, a lot of people use it at like restaurants or at the table or stuff like that. What we practice at home to kind of prevent the meltdown when we are out to eat or something. Or prepare
2: for that. Or prepare <laughs> for that restaurant experience. Yeah.
4: Well, at the end of our meals together at home, a lot of times we'll set a timer um, and sit there and we'll continue to talk or Occasionally, we'll sing songs if she's, you know, really having a day and just sitting there isn't working. But um, we'll set a timer for at least a few minutes to kind of practice, you know, sitting there being done and not being able to get up and run around the restaurant, but also not giving a screen or a TV show or something as a distraction. Um, and I, we've definitely seen her get used to that and be able to understand that.
3: So actually what you're saying is you're training yourselves and her at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, it definitely takes patience. and
1: Parenting isn't a convenient sport. It is a character building sport for sure. Yeah. As y'all are looking forward, um, are there cultural trends that you're particularly concerned about? Or have you heard from other parents that they're particularly concerned about as you anticipate your kids growing up?
4: When we get there, as far as education goes, just how we can be involved in what they're learning and um, the idea of really choosing, like, what are we going to do for education that year and how it can look different for every year and every kid and that we can kind of, like, reevaluate that each year and see what's best for each kid is something that we've talked about. We're just... Not quite there yet to have to have implemented that, but um, something that we just really want to be keyed into when we do get there so we can know, like, what are they learning in the classroom? Are there things that we aren't ready for? And so do we need to look at homeschooling or do we need to look at a charter school or do we need to look at a private school for a year and then kind of reevaluate that
3: each year? Yes, that's really good. So basically, again, it's about this intentionality Mm
4: -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you
3: guys are setting for your family. And you're saying, we're going to look at these things ahead of time. We're going to look at the media trends, social media. We're going to be careful about that. I did. I got to tell you, Brandon, I had someone say to me, their child asked them, "Uh, can I have a play date with your friend? And the dad said, well, what friend are you talking about? And they said, your phone.
0: <laughs> the dad
3: was like shamed into, okay, so I, this child thinks my phone is a playdate. um That's <laughs> not a good thing. But it,
4: yeah.
3: it again, it's this retraining of ourselves yeah. that this, this raising of this child and their spiritual development is, is our responsibility. God has given it to us. And so we have to be intentional, but also, I love what you guys are saying because Reagan's only two, but even the small things that you have begun to be intentional with her are, are getting easier for you as parents and for her as a child. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And, and so much easier than having a seven-year-old and now saying, now I'm going to take away this thing I gave you all yeah. these years. And now I'm going to say, oh, now I'm going to think about schooling, even though you've already been in a couple years and we see some things that we don't like. So it's this its this intentionality of let's make some choices together. And I, I want to talk about that. How do you guys, you guys have a certain time that you like to talk about parenting or is it just kind of come up in life? I know you boys are both big planners. Do you like once a month have a parenting powwow and go, how do we want to do this? Or what, what's your strategy there so far?
2: Well, yeah, I like the idea of a parenting powwow. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's kind of just impromptu. I think, a lot of times, even in the in the moment, we'll kind of discuss, like, discipline is something that we've had to kind of start to dip our toes in with her, where she she knows what the word no means, and then she'll um, kind of look at you and grin as she goes to do it again.
0: And so she, <laughs> yeah.
2: We know that she knows she's doing wrong, and so we, we talk about how we want to treat certain things, you know, and like, the idea if I if I tell her no now and then an hour later she does it again like she's probably I don't know what her mental capacity is but like but if she immediately does it again after I tell her I know that you know I said no and so
4: like Brandon said it it does generally tend to be impromptu although historically even if you're talking about you know specific what do we want to talk about in our marriage Brandon tends to use road trips as an opportunity of <laughs> <laughs> like what's going good what are your grievances. Um, just in general with his intentional spirit, um, we've done things like that. And I wouldn't be surprised this weekend when we have to drive up to Dallas <laughs> if he doesn't ask me that type of question
3: about parenting on the way. So I would say like kind of a little bit of both. That's what I was thinking of being around you guys, that there was a lot of intentional yeah. moments that you were, if it wasn't planned, it was, okay, now let's let's talk about this. And I think that's important for parents to hear that don't be afraid to bring it up right? Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to say, what are you mm-hmm. thinking about this? Did you think that really worked? Or even for to say to the other person, hey, did you like the way she reacted when we had to turn off the TV? I didn't I didn't like that. Um, I know it helped you and what you were doing. But be intentional about those conversations and realize you're on the same team and you're working on it together. And don't yeah. be afraid of that.
1: But actually, the whole idea that you could say no to your child or not give them immediately what they want is is somewhat yeah. of a countercultural phenomenon in parenting now. I'd love for you just to elaborate a little more about the need that y'all have or that you observe in other parents for a supportive community to make tough choices in parenting that the culture is kind of going a different direction in.
4: Yeah. I just think it's nice to have other people that have similar goals and aspirations for how they are parenting, parenting their children um, just to be able to come alongside each other and encourage each other and support each other in that, because it is hard if, you know, like we said, Reagan's not really in school yet, but if you you're, you know, at a school function with your kid's class and every other parent is doing something different than you, you know, you're just going to feel very alone in that. So just being able to build a community now when they're so young to kind of walk through life together, like we were saying about no, makes it easier to say no when someone else is saying no to those same things. Um, I had a friend not that long ago asked me about like cell phones, like we talked about like not getting Reagan a cell phone probably. Or at least a
2: smartphone. At
4: least a smartphone until, you know, she's a lot older (laughs) and she asked me like, well, but what if everyone else has one? And and I was like, Mm. I don't care. Like, I don't care if everyone else has one. We're not gonna get her one or at least not get her a smartphone. Um, You know, there are plenty of ways to contact whoever you need to. And so just like kind of that idea of like, if it's that different, you know, you feel like an outcast or maybe your kid feels like an outcast, but having other people around that are doing something similar, kind of keeps them from feeling so isolated keeps you from feeling so isolated
2: and i mentioned before i think one of the big benefits for me is when you start when you start early or you start at the beginning it's so much easier to implement these things than having to do it halfway through and by by surrounding ourselves with people who have kids who are a little bit older than us um, we kind of do get that head start on like oh this is going to be something this is going to be a challenge that we have to we'll have to face at some point and kind of getting an idea like okay where are our heads at concerning this issue before we actually get into the middle of it? Because like Mary said, if you're the, if you're the only yeah. parent saying no in, in a public place, sometimes it, you think like, oh, that's, that's the right choice. But if you were to take a step back and kind of evaluate it beforehand, you come to a different conclusion, knowing that there are others that kind of are on the same page as us and we, we've, we've discussed it and we think that this is the way to go. It makes it a lot easier to, in the moment, make the decision that we want to make.
1: That's kind of your peer group, even though some of, some of the kids are a little bit older. But when you look at families with quite a bit older kids and not to be critical, it's just you can learn from some people's experience and you look at families with older kids and you think, I want to be like that. And sometimes you look at families with older kids and you think, I want to learn from that mistake and maybe go a different direction. Like that's not going to be us. Are there things that come to mind about what parents of older kids have done or haven't done that y'all are like, we're we're going to go in a different direction.
2: It's so funny to me how often we, you'll be at a restaurant or even like a park and you'll see like a family of four kids, but like 11 and 12, and then pa- their parents and all four of them are on their phones. It's so uh, it's so funny, but also a little bit depressing to see these these families who are all just like heads down to their phone and not interacting or not playing together. But not even talking oftentimes and so that's for me one of the ones that we've had the opportunity to start practicing even at such a young age but something we wanted to get ahead of as much as we could uh, because it's it's sad to see and it's definitely countercultural as far as the way that you look at we mentioned before smartphones being something that we want to push off for as long as we can just because we've even even seen in our lives how easy it is to get sucked into doing something you don't want to do.
4: Another thing that maybe we've seen at church but even like in families of like people that I work with and things like that is so much emphasis on activities and this isn't something that is relevant to us yet because I don't think you can start anything before the age of two but you know I know people who have or we actually used to be student high school small group leaders um, and it was always so hard to find a good time for our small groups of those high school students to meet because everybody was involved in three, four, five activities. And, you know, they had an hour one night a week and like Mm. nobody's hour lined up. Um, But just trying to be intentional when we get to that stage of how do we have some activities, because that is some benefit, but not put a ton of focus on succeeding in those activities or like expectations of exceeding in those activities and still be able to prioritize family time and being able to sit down together for dinner at night, even if, You know, kids want to play different sports. Like, basically, how do we prioritize our family time on top of those extracurricular activities? Is something that we've kind of talked a little bit about. But I know as our kids get older, we'll be it will have to be a lot more intentional with that as well.
2: Yeah, I know. Growing up, we always my family made a point every night that everybody sat down at a table together and ate. And I feel like that's such a great place for you guys to for families to have conversations around, like what is something difficult you you experienced at school today or another place where you can make kind of talking about our faith and our personal relationships with Christ normal yeah. in that setting. Um, and that's something that we've already had discussions around. Like that's something that we want to do.
3: You guys really hit the top two in my mind on what you see parents do in the culture, which is with media and then time commitments. Those are two big ones that are kind of glaring.
2: I had a friend that I was talking to recently and she was talking about her niece, who was about the same age as Reagan. She was already involved in like twice weekly music class and twice weekly reading class. And I remember that like blew my mind that even at the under under the age of two, that she already had four classes a week that she was going to. For a moment, there wasn't part of me for a moment was like, oh man, should I have Reagan in these sort of things? But then I realized, like, that's right. crazy. Like, why why am I First of all, why, why was that my immediate thought was to like, oh, I better get Reagan in these things. It just blew my mind that even at such a young age, you can you get so hyper-focused on achievement. and
1: Yeah, it can be such a, a blind spot. I mean, a majority of parents are focused on wanting, we want our kids to flourish and and do well. and And from a Christian parent standpoint, do well according to God's design. And a lot of these activities aren't morally wrong. There, they can be positive in a given amount. And I think it's easy just to have a, um, a blind spot that now we've moved into something that actually is, is not the healthiest for our overall family situation. And, and the things that we give our time and energy to communicate priority and value. And intentionally as parents, as we're giving emotional time and emotional energy and physical time and energy, we may be communicating values that are just different than what we intended. One last question. I'm curious as young parents in a multi-generational church, I know you've surrounded yourself with all different ages. Um, what do you feel like you need from leaders or from older parents or even from your peer parents in your church family to help you commit to making these courageous countercultural choices?
4: I think the big thing is being able to have those relationships so that when something comes up and you are in, you know, you're in the middle of parenting and you're not sure what to do, being able to reach out to someone who is older or who is a church leader to kind of ask for wisdom and guidance. Um, part of our kind of parenting focused small group, we do have a, a mentor couple and they had asked us initially, what what do you want our role to be? And that's basically exactly what we said. Like you're on the other side of this. Yeah, our kids are so young now, but like what's, you know, what's going to happen when they're in middle school? What's going to happen when they're teenagers? What would y'all have done if you were in this situation um, with the culture the way that it is now? And just being able to have that kind of guidance and relationship to
3: be able to ask those questions or even what did yeah. you
2: do that did not work
3: I just think that the young couples out there are going to yes. be so encouraged just to hear your voices and they hear you at this beginning stage and thinking ahead but I wondered if you both could just share something on your heart that maybe you would want to challenge a young couple that's listening right now and and getting ready to start their family or at same stage you guys are at beginning of their family um, to encourage them to stay, stay this course and really get serious about it.
2: One of the questions I've heard asked um, around parenting is, how long will your kids live? The answer is forever. And that God God has gifted us with the ability to help bring into this, this world eternal creatures, which are our kids. And I know for me, one of the, one of the exciting things about having kids is that I get really passionate about discipleship. Sometimes I'll look at it as like, how did Jesus disciple people? I mean, Jesus spent multiple years in intimate relationships with people. And in our day and age, our children are basically going to be the closest opportunity we'll have to disciple people like Jesus discipled people. And so that gets me super excited. And I feel like it helps fuel my um, intentionality to spend time in prayer with my kids, reading the Bible with my kids, or even reading the Bible on my own kind of what you do in front of your kids, they do see it. I know that that will translate in so many other areas of our life.
4: Well, I would say even in just the example of the two of us, like we come from different family backgrounds and you can you know make an argument for my family not doing a whole lot of counterculture and Brandon's doing a lot of counterculture. And I know a lot of times moms particularly feel inadequate or feel like you know they're doing the wrong thing or especially if you're like stay at home or even like I'm partly stay at home you know the kind of monotony of the day or when it's the fifth fit over the same type of thing you know that it just feels like you're so bogged down but that you know just being faithful in what God has called us to do as far as parenting our children and like Brandon said discipling our children um that you know, if we're following his plan, you know, he can equip us to do whatever it is that he's calling us to do.
0: I love how Mary and Brandon both emphasize the importance of a reinforcing community around them, whether that's a group at your church, whether that's listening to a podcast like this one or finding other resources and other relationships where you can draw inspiration and encouragement and practical ideas and advice as each of us seeks to raise children who stand out from rather than just fit in with the larger culture. God bless you as you continue that effort, and thanks for joining us. Counterculture Parents is brought to you in part by dryfaithhome.com. We help churches reach and disciple busy families. If you appreciate this podcast, then I encourage you to support your local church, which is your most important reinforcing community.